0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, please be seated. Our gospel today about a great big fancy dinner reminds me of a dinner that I was to go to a few years ago. It's not quite the same situation, but it does remind me of it. This was one of those dinners that was meant to be a fundraiser for a really good charity. Um, It's a charity that's related to the Episcopal Church. A lot of church folks would have been there. Um, And while I supported the cause, I bought a ticket, put it on my calendar. When the event came, I pictured what it would be like. I imagined there would be that awkward, obligatory hour-and-a-half cocktail hour as people sort of herded toward the free drinks to get as many as they could before a long dinner. And then, like cattle, we'd be let into another space at the appointed time. And then we'd have to scramble to find a place to sit. And for me, it would be like going back to third grade, where the popular kids would be at this table, and the good-looking ones at this table, and the wealthy ones at that table. And there'd be a few open spots, and I would try to find my spot. Once we sat down... The lukewarm chicken dinner would be delivered with its stewed vegetables, no doubt. And then, before too long, an overly sweet dessert of some kind would appear. And then the speakers would begin. You know the routine. The head of the organization, maybe the chair of the board, maybe someone who had benefited from the charity might give their quick talk, Um, Then everyone would be thanked, and then there'd be a subtle but direct ask for yet more money. (laughs) And then we'd leave, and I'd be home at 10 or 10.30. I decided not to go. (laughs) I stayed home. I'd given my money. I'd supported the cause. I'd done my bit, right? Well, the next day, I looked at Facebook. I was surprised to see pictures from the previous night's dinner. It turns out that there had been uh, place cards at the tables where people were expected to be seated. And my place card was at a table with the head of the organization, a bishop of New York, and a bunch of my friends. And one of my friends, who has a great sense of humor, had taken my name tag and then posed with each of the people at the table, and through the evening with other people, like showing the John Bettingfield who was not there with the people that I might have been with. Um, It was pretty funny, but of course, I was mortified that I had not gone. It was so different than I imagined. I didn't think I was worthy to be at one of the cool tables. I would planned to go and sort of sit in a corner and leave early. I had completely misread the situation. Our Gospel today talks about another banquet. The places are all set, the seats are taken, and people have found their place, or at least they think they have. And Jesus notices that some of the guests are scrambling. They're scrambling for the places of honor. And so Jesus gives some what sounds like some very practical, common-sense advice. Don't always go for the best seat. Someone more important or closer to the host may show up, and then you'll be embarrassed when you're asked to change seats. Instead, sit in the worst place, and that way, in front of everybody, you'll be welcomed up higher. But then Jesus keeps on going. He says, perhaps to the host himself or herself, or perhaps anyone who'll listen, Jesus says, when you give a banquet, when you throw a party, don't just invite those from whom you expect a reciprocal invitation. Instead, be radical. When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. It doesn't sound like Jesus is very concerned about not being invited back to this particular place, does it? <laughs> We can imagine the Pharisee's face when he hears these words. Maybe we can even imagine our own reaction if a guest at our table began to lecture us about who should or should not have been invited to the gathering. But imagine the reaction for a minute or two of those who aren't in the place of privilege, those who are not at the main head table Imagine how Jesus' words must have sounded to the servants or the cooks or those who felt like their only place was at the far corners of the room. Imagine how Jesus' words of welcome must have sounded as they sort of drifted out the windows into the streets over the, to the people who are looking over the hedges, wondering if they'll get, if they'll get some scraps from this fancy dinner. How would those words of Jesus sound to those digging through the trash to see if there's something left for them to eat? At this party, at this banquet, Jesus offers both the guests and the uninvited a view of how God sees the world. Jesus offers us a view of how God throws a party. In God's eyes, at God's great banquet, the feast that has already been that has already begun remember that feast that we participate in with holy communion that started long before us and goes long after that feast will one day join in person and fully at that feast those who exalt themselves in this life are humbled As Sirach, Ecclesiasticus, says, the beginning of human pride is to forsake the Lord, the heart that has been withdrawn from its maker. But those who were humble in this world will find themselves exalted to the very heart of God. In this teaching of Jesus, in this gospel, I think each of us is confronted, wherever we may be in life, whatever we perceive our position to be, whether it's perceived or real. Some of us might feel a little like I did at that fancy charity dinner I talked about. We sometimes underestimate our own importance of showing up. Other people might be expecting us. Other people might need us. Other people might want us. Too often in our world and too often religious folks, I think, confuse humility with humiliation. They're very different things. In this gospel, Jesus is speaking to those who don't think they're invited, whether because they don't feel good enough or holy enough or smart enough or attractive enough or, or talented or clever or rich or whatever, fill in the blank. Jesus is saying there's a place for you at the table. You are enough. You are God's beloved, just as you are, just as you are in God's eyes, though perhaps you've forgotten momentarily. Jesus also addresses those of us who might be feeling pretty proud of ourselves, who might be feeling as though we do enjoy some special blessing from God. We wouldn't say it out loud, but sometimes we can carry that within. Jesus reminds us, don't assume the best spot has your name on it just because you've worked hard, or just because you've shown up early, or just because you've put in your dues. There's a great line in Cory Booker's book where his father reminds him, Son, just because you're on third base doesn't mean you hit a triple. There may be others ahead of us, and we might be surprised. Those ahead of us might not look like we expect them to. They might not speak our language. They might not dress like us or worship like us. They might not even be deserving in my eyes But again, those words ring out. uh, Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And so our gospel really is about humility, true humility. Remember, humility has a lot to do with that word hummus. It has to do with the ground, not with thinking of oneself as dirt or dust, but with being grounded, with being rooted, with having feet on the ground, with being right-sized with understanding that one has gifts and abilities and and great things going for each one of us, but also we all have our growing edges. What if the church were a place where humility could be practiced, could be taught to the young and modeled by the wise and developed and celebrated? What if the church were a place where humility became something that all of us kind of worked at, And sometimes we're successful and often we fail, but we work at it. The poet Anne Weems imagines such a church in one of her poems when she begins by wondering, where is the church? And then she answers her question. She says, the the church of Jesus Christ is where people go when they skin their knees, when they skin the knees of their hearts. The Church of Jesus Christ is where frogs become princes, and then Cinderella dances beyond midnight. The Church of Jesus Christ is where judges don't judge, and each child of God is beautiful and precious. The Church of Jesus Christ is where home is, where heaven is, where a picnic is communion, and people break bread together on their knees. In other words, the church is wherever and whenever people risk humility. The French philosopher and social critic Simone Weil read today's gospel and thought of the cross. And she thought of the cross in an interesting way. She imagined the cross of Jesus Christ not not upright so much as, as sort of laying down. And she imagined the cross could function as a balance, as a lever almost. She wrote, heaven coming down to earth raises earth to heaven. We lower what we want to lift. And so the cross becomes a lever. As Christ lowers himself, we are raised. And so to lower oneself raises the other person, but can also raise the other side of the equation. The cross as a balance or a lever it makes me think of the cross as a kind of seesaw <laughs> that feels less like a law imposed to be humble, <laughs> more like an invitation to play at humility. Try it on, see where it leads. Lower yourself and see what happens to the other person. Lower yourself and see what happens in the equation. I think of those wonderful images of the the architect, I believe, who, who built a seesaw through a part of the, the wall between Mexico and the United States. And so on one side, Mexican children can can play on the seesaw, and on the other side, U.S. children can play would that that image would carry into policy and common life in some way where we we realize if we lower ourselves a little bit, it gives another a chance to be raised up and vice versa. Christ invites us, I think, to, to play on the seesaw of humility, to try it and see what happens. Just see how it feels. See if it changes anything. See if you notice anything new about God or about yourself. That poem again, The Church of Jesus Christ, is where people go when they skin the knees of their hearts, where frogs become princes and Cinderella dances beyond midnight, where judges don't judge, and each child of God is beautiful and precious. May we have the faith occasionally to get on the seesaw, to lower ourselves, and with grace, help each other learn humility so that others and all eventually may join in the feast of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.